Hey, it's Andy from Talking to Teens. It would mean the world to us if you could leave us a five-star review. Reviews on Apple and Spotify help other parents find the show, and that helps us keep the lights on. Thanks for being a listener, and here's the show. You're listening to Talking to Teens, where we speak with leading experts from a variety of disciplines about the art and science of parenting teenagers. I'm your host, Andy Earle. We're here today with Carrie Campakis. She is the author of the new book, Love Her Well, 10 Ways to Find Joy and Connection with Your Teenage Daughter. Carrie had a perfectly good career writing books for teenage girls. She's the author of books like 10 Ultimate Truths Girls Should Know and Liked, Whose Approval Are You Living For? She's used to speaking all around the country to groups of teenage girls and their parents too. But after her talks, the parents kept asking when she was going to write a book for them. Finally, she caved and wrote this one, Love Her Well. Today, we're going to talk about how you can set firm rules while also maintaining a close relationship with your teenager and how you can inspire them to believe in themselves. Carrie, thank you so much for making the time to come on the show today. So, Love Her Well, what inspired this book? And it's super heartfelt. There's really, it's really vulnerable. There's a lot of stories in here that parents can relate to. So what inspired you to dig so deep and put it all down and make it public knowledge? Well, it's one of those books I never planned to write. I actually okay. go back a few years. Most books are like that, I think. And, um, and the story that I open with is about a big mom fail on my part. And when that actually happened, that was one of those moments that I was thinking, I don't ever want anybody to find out about this moment. So yeah. it is It is kind of funny. That was five years ago. And it just shows, you know, how we can grow personally and get to a point where we realize some things about ourselves and work through some issues we have and get to a better place and decide that we want to share our stories and help other parents. So I wrote some books for teenage girls six years ago. And that was, that was my heart for a while. I, I wrote just empowering girls through faith. And I started traveling around the country. And of course, it was their moms who were buying the books for them. And so I'd meet the moms and, and they would tell me, thank you for writing this book. It's like you took the thoughts in my head and put them down on paper. And my daughter's at an age. She doesn't always listen to me. So it's good for her to right. hear these, these stories and these things from someone besides me. And the moms would then say, now, when are you going to write a book for us? But I would just kind of shrug and say, oh, I don't know. And I never planned to write a, a parenting book. And I think probably a lot of people who do parent, write parenting books would say that um, because I don't consider myself an expert. But I consider myself more of a resource just because of the, the stories that I have from raising four daughters. And then also I've spent six years traveling around the country, meeting mothers and daughters for my book with teen girls. Yeah. What really inspired this book was as my oldest daughter became a teenager, our relationship changed. We started locking horns. We went through some hard seasons. And I really had to search on how do you love a teenage daughter? Um, and my instinct was to buy into all those negative scripts that people had told me since they were babies. Just wait until she's a teenager. It's a nightmare. <laughs> you just have to survive it. And when we started locking horns, that's what that's what my initial thought was. Like, oh, it's yeah, coming true. Right. You know, those predictions. And that just really made me dig my heels in and just be firmer and think, I just got to show these girls who's boss. 
And it really caused division in my relationship with my daughter. And I realized this is not working. And I had a lot of pride on my part that I had to work through that, you know, that I wasn't approaching her the right way. And I definitely wasn't loving her. And I knew I wasn't loving her because of how I felt when I went to bed at night. I didn't feel good about our relationship and how coldly I was treating her. So that's the heart behind the book is how do you, you know, be a mom during the teenage years, but also love them well and find joy and connection in the teenage years and really finish strong. Because if you think about it, you know, our last years with our children at home set the stage for our long-term relationship that's going to last longer than 18 years. And, you know, if we want to have a healthy dynamics in place for that long-term relationship, it really starts in what happens during adolescence. I think so. And I think it's so easy to get stuck there in a place with, in a relationship where there's stubbornness or something and neither person wants to kind of be the first one to give in. And so I wonder like if you have any thoughts for parents who find themselves in a similar situation like that on how to kind of uh, see a way through it. Yes, I, I would say it takes a lot of soul searching and humility and um, just know that you're Aww. not the only one. <laughs> I know nobody likes to hear that word, but so there was um, there like an easy kind of way to <laughs> do it without kind of going through all that, like, you know, soul searching and stuff. Is there... Oh, no, I, not that I know of. For me, that's what it <laughs> took. It took, you know, after I had that, that, there was a breakdown moment. And that's what I opened the book with. That my daughter and I just had this big yeah. fight. We had been fighting for a few months. It just had built up and it was over something dumb. I don't even remember what we were fighting over, but she left mad, slammed the door. And I'm, you know, after she left, my house was quiet. Then I regretted it. And I regretted all these stupid fights we'd had. And I was like, I need help. And I basically just fell to my knees in my closet. And I just admitted that this was not working. I needed a new approach in this relationship. So um, I went to the gym that day and I saw a friend that I trust that has an older daughter. And I asked her, you know, how do you handle these fights with your daughters? Um, and she, she told me, she's like, you know, when you argue, you've got to circle back around, you know, go back when you're calm and you've had time to think and go circle back around and, you know, Smart. don't let the sun go down on your anger. Like we've always heard. So I did that that afternoon and I asked my daughter, I decided I'd see, well, maybe I'm doing something that's causing this division. I, I didn't think I was, but I thought I'd ask her. So I asked her, you know, I'm, I'm sorry for our fight earlier. I don't like that. We're not getting along. I really want us to have a better relationship. Am I doing something that's causing this division between us? And I expected her to say no. And she said, yes. <laughs> and so I think this is right. where a lot of parents might find themselves. And she told me, you know, she was just, she just started school as a middle schooler. And she told me that I'd just become more critical lately. And as she told me that, it felt like a punch in the gut. But I realized that she was right. And I realized that I'd been more critical of myself lately. And I had been projecting that on her. And I had higher expectations on her as a new middle schooler. And I, I, I could I could look back and see maybe I was being hard to please. And so that really made me look take a look at myself. But I apologize. And, and this is my big message to parents is that our kids are so forgiving. Even as teenagers, you know, they they can accept that we're not perfect. They know that we're not perfect because that, that's what causes a lot of tension. They don't believe we're perfect anymore. They see it. Right. But when we admit our humanity, we own up to our failures. We teach them to do the same. And it just, we also teach them that re that conflict resolution that I think is so important. And that I have seen yeah. in my work with teenage girls that that's, they have so much conflict with friends and drama and they don't know how to work through it. And that's why a lot of times they just end their relationships when really they could work through certain issues if they had those conflict resolution skills. Wow. I think that's so positive and so uh, difficult to do when you're in the <laughs> middle of it. You know, it it's, 
it's nice that like what you did was kind of take some time off from it. I think that's kind of a common theme with those kind of like really emotional situations is like stepping back and being able to sort of like look at it with some perspective. And um, it sounds like you got some good advice from a friend also, which is probably uh, it helps you get even more perspective. So that's really cool. You have a collection in here of 35 ways to speak life to a teenager. And uh, it's like a bunch of different phrases and things that you could say that are, um, you know, early on in your book in pages 9 and 10. Um, but I thought a lot of these were like really good. So I was curious how you came up with these. You know, it seems to me like you could not go wrong by saying one of these things to your teenager like every time you talk to them, you know. So I guess, how can people incorporate more of this kind of like language uh, in their conversations? Yes, I, I just think it's a lot of being intentional and looking for opportunities. And I have to say that, you know, one reason I wrote this book was because I feel like I have a lot of smart parent friends and I meet a lot of great parents. And sometimes they tell me, oh, I tell my daughter this. And so I take notes of those uh, things. Like, oh, that's good. Yeah, yeah. Like, and so they, they, those, those thoughts have played into these lists like that. Yeah. And, and so it really does it. And I've learned that teenagers are already so critical of themselves and they already feel like maybe they're not pleasing their parents. And so just these words that we speak, even when we're disappointed in them, I think there's a way to do it that still offers them hope and still lets them know that I don't like your behavior. That was a terrible choice you made, but I love you. And I'm going to walk beside you as you face the consequences of this mistake. Yeah, yeah. I support you. Mm-hmm. And yeah, yeah. That's really cool. Making sure to just keep affirming that. I think, yeah. yeah, you can't say that enough. <laughs> right. And, you know, one thing that my friends and I talk about is that I really feel like as moms, especially, we've got to have a safe place to vent. And sometimes we don't. We've got to have our spouse or our friends or our therapist or somebody that we can just talk unfiltered yeah. if we are angry at our child. And if you have those safe places, then you're less likely to say something hurtful to your child. You know, if you have a friend like, mm-hmm. this is what I wanted to say to my daughter, but this is what I said. <laughs> you, know, <laughs> I, you know, this is what this is what I was tempted to say, but I, I bit my tongue. And, you know, I have lots of friends who are in therapy and they're counselors and all of that. And one thing that you really do hear a lot is that, you know, they, they're like, it breaks my heart how I hear these parents talk about their kids in front of their children. And, you know, they'll say something like, she's such a brat, or, you know, why can't you be like your sister, Sarah? And it's just these things that as parents, and I get it, we have these breaking points. Sometimes our teenagers push us to the edge. We don't know if they love us. You know, I mean, it's hard. And and our patience is thin, especially in years like this. And so it's really easy to just blurt out those comments or those hurtful words, Mm -hmm. especially if that's how we were raised or if that's what we're around, just the negativity, which a lot of us are right now. There's so much negativity. But those words, I mean, our kids don't forget what what is said to them from their parents. And so I really believe that as moms, we have kind of a superpower, what we say to them. And we're all going to mess up. And that's where the apologies and the reconciliation comes in place. But also just to speak life. And, you know, it could be something as simple as, you know, how can I help you this week? How can I pray for you this week? You know, be a light, make good choices. You know, this is what some of your classmates are doing, but this is not who you're going to be or what you're going to do. You know, we're going to aim higher. Another good one. I really am. I'm I'm big about like, if they do make mistakes, how do you handle those moments? And I have a a friend with five teenagers and (laughs) I know that crazy. And, And she said her husband's big question to their teenagers is what will your recovery be? 
Like, you know, you had this heartache or you didn't make this, this track team or you didn't get what you wanted or yeah. this person broke your heart, you know, but what will your recovery be? How are you going to respond yeah. to this difficult situation? And, and I, I really like think that. that's what teenagers need is just, they need us as parents to just help them create a vision for their life and help them see that, you know, you are kind, you are strong, you are smart, you can do this and just help them walk into what we know they can be into that potential. I think that's really cool. There's so much um, research that we need to let kids fail more and get out of their way, and especially during the teenage years. And I think adopting that mindset of, you know, your job being to help them figure out a plan to get over it, basically, uh, is really cool because then it takes you out of the position of trying to, like, you know, save them from failure and puts you more in just that mindset, you know, of, of looking for kind of ways to help them think about their recovery, you know, learn those strategies. So, uh, okay. Uh, another question that I had was, uh, I really like this chapter you have on listening and empathizing. And uh, you talk about how sometimes it's really, really hard to listen to your kids and actually hear what they're saying because the thoughts in your head about what they're saying are so loud. So how do you turn those down and really listen to what's being said? Right. I think that we just have to be aware of what we're telling ourselves and how sometimes we make their life about us. And here's an example. Totally. You know, I mean, I have a friend and her daughter fell in love with Pepperdine out in California. Like who wouldn't fall in love with Uh Pepperdine? It's an amazing. Oh, it's like the most beautiful (laughs) place in the world. That's what she said. She's like, it's impossible not to fall in love with it. You know, (laughs) so she was seriously considering going to to Pepperdine, but we live in Alabama. That's, that's not a, you know, a quick flight. And in her mind, she's thinking, you cannot go to Pepperdine. That's too far away from home. And I think that's just an example of what we do sometimes as parents, rather than just giving them that space, like, okay, what is it that you yeah. like about this school? What is it that speaks yeah, to you? You know, right. what, let's help me understand, because we can understand our children better. Even if she doesn't go to Pepperdine, you get to know more about your child and what, and right. there might be another school that is closer, that's a better fit, uh, you know, it's closer, but totally. it's a similar vibe and a similar fit. And so yeah, there's we, something that choice is like, she's making that for a reason. Right. Right. Like tuning into what that, the deeper reason behind that. Mm-hmm. And I can say having four daughters, you know, there, none of them are exactly like me. And so it really takes, yeah. I have to kind of think, okay, well explain this to me because that, that would not yeah. appeal to me, but I want to know why that appeals to yeah. you. And I think that's, you know, helping them tune in to what they feel they're being led to do. That's, that's really important for them to have that internal guidance because that's something else you hear about teenagers now is that they're so coached and they're, you know, they're so, there's so many voices telling them what to do that sometimes they don't know what they want because they're just doing what everybody else wants them to do. And so really, you know, helping them tuning into that inner voice and helping them trust what, you know, what they feel they should be doing with their life, but also discovering like, okay, what can I learn about my child through this? We're here with Carrie Campakis talking about how to balance firm rules and a strong relationship with your teenager. And we're not done yet. Here's a look at what's coming up in the second half of the show. If we want to influence them, then we've got to have that relationship in place. They only get one set of parents. And if we're not parenting them, then who's going to? 
she was a big dancer. We did dance for years. She begged me to do this yeah. competitive dance. So I let her do it in fifth grade. So in my head, I'm thinking, okay, this is our track. She is going to try out for the dance team at the end of sixth grade. I had totally. her sign up with this coach. You have to sign up early. You know, so we had it all planned out. And then at the end of fifth grade, she told me she wanted to quit dance. And I'm like, what? No. And I kept thinking she changed her mind. And I was like, well, what about this dance intensive with your friends this summer? And I kept trying to give her these carrots and she wouldn't take it. She was dead set that she wanted to quit. She did not want to do it anymore. Yeah. And that was hard for me as a mom, because I, I was thinking that was kind of my security blanket. Like I wanted her to have the, you know, try out for the dance team, knew that even if she didn't have that, she could do company dance. And that was the network. And so I had to really let go of that and just trust her. And so I told her, I'll give you a year off, yeah. but then you're going to do something, you know, you'll do something, something after yeah, that. Yeah. So it was about six months later, dance routes were like two months away. And I get a text one day, it's a holiday and she's at her friend's house okay. and she tells me, Hey mom, I decided I'm going to try out for the dance team. Camille talked me into it. This is her friend. <laughs> <laughs> and it was such a lesson to me that if I had pushed it, she may have stopped dancing forever. But when she went yeah, back to it, right. she loved it again. I saw her dancing around our house again. And it was a reminder to me to just trust my children and don't press something too far to uh, where it turns them off from that, whatever it is, that interest forever. Want to hear the full interview? Sign up for a subscription today. You get unlimited access to all the interviews I've conducted. It's completely affordable. And your subscription helps support the work we do here at Talking to Teens. Thanks for listening. I'll see you next time.